Hi guys and welcome along to the second Paddock Piss podcast uh, from IRC. We're here post the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, the second one held at Silverstone. Um, rather interesting race, I think. Uh, I'd say certainly better than the, the, the first one. Let's jump into the introductions here. It's just three of us today. Myself, Black Sheep, Manola Baby and Babaji. Hi guys. We're here. How's it going? Hello, Black Sheep. I'm good. Happy. I don't know about you, but I'm quite happy with the last week's race, barring the obvious pain about Botas. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, hey, everyone. Nice to speak to you again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think the Grand Prix was, was nice. It was extremely unpredictable. Uh, given the Silverstone Grand Prix uh, to uh, last week, oh well, the previous, the first edition, first Silverstone Grand Prix of the season, uh, we all knew that tires were going to be a very sensitive issue going into this race, going into the 70th anniversary, and the race did not disappoint at all, not one bit, and I think that uh, it became a it became a very exciting race due to its unpredictability, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep, agree. I think this has been something that a lot of fans have been talking about for quite a long time with regards to tyres now being able to go longer and longer distances and you know teams that are dominating just being able to do a one-stop starting on a hard, harder compound. Um, and, that, and that sort of prevents the competition and everybody's been talking about mandating two stops. And I guess it sort of gave us a glimpse of what would happen if, if not everybody, then if most drivers do a two-stop. Um... Yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, given given how Mercedes have performed usually, you'd think they'd learn from the last weekend and come back stronger. But I guess it didn't go out in their favor. Even though they got the first two grid positions, they kind of messed up the strategy. And the way how Red Bull has been performing post the Vettel era, it's quite known that they'll just step in and destroy the competition if they're given a chance. And they showed it this week. Where just a small slip up from Mercedes in terms of strategy absolutely allowed them to run away with the win. Yeah, I think even though their yeah. car is like about a second slower. That, yeah, that's some, that's something Red Bull has always been good at. I think they've been yeah. a very opportunistic team. Uh, despite always evolving through the season, I think they they have the same mindset. Uh, in a, in a, even within the race distance, in this case, 52 laps, uh, they are constantly on top of every single person's race they monitor um but pace changes the moment any driver pits so i think i think that uh red bull really did not put a step foot wrong throughout the entire grand prix i would have left max out a little longer in the second stint but apart from that um they had the measure of mercedes and and more i agree i'll, I'll summarize that i guess um i think red bull are always on their feet um, especially, say, the quick decision about pitting album initially. Um, knowing how well Max was doing and the harder tyre, um, I think that was a great decision to get Albon in quickly, give him some clean air, so that can, he can gain some net sort of lead time um, whilst the other cars squabbled ahead of him. Um, and the other thing is, Red Bull, I think more than anything, they are aware of where they are. For example, with Max this season, they know that they're not on pace with the Mercedes. Um, but they always do something different for that off chance that in case something goes wrong, they're ready to pick up the pieces. 
can we just True. take a moment to appreciate that uh, that radio call from Max? I think that for me was the highlight of the race. Uh, I, I, I'm still laughing about it. I think the exact quote was, and I kid shit you not, I have memorized it. Uh, mate, I'm not going to sit back. Uh, sorry, what do you, I think he said, mate, uh, this is the only chance I have at being close to the Mercedes. I'm not going to sit back like a grandma. Uh, but yeah, I think that I was in splits when I heard that. And that shows the kind of drivers that, that driver that Max is and, Red Bull backed him up. They didn't tell him to back off. They didn't tell him to slow down. Uh, they didn't take away any engine power. They just supported him. And I think uh, the harmony in that team, especially for their first driver, um, is, is is something probably Ferrari and, Merce- and even probably Mercedes can learn from. Sure, of course. I mean, there's already questions in the chat coming up. Um, and I show you guys, we'll, we'll visit every driver's position um, and their race. Uh, but we're just having a generic uh, sort of roundup of how the race went. Um, Mara, you just mentioned about, you know, what Max said. And the one thing that I thought straight away as he said that was, why is the Red, why is the Red Bull not as affected following the car in terms of their temps or even engine or even tire deck? Um, you know, when somebody like Max is a second and a half behind the two Mercedes compared to Mercedes themselves. I'd follow on from that with another question. Mercedes have known that they have issues in terms of heating hotter temperatures right from the first race. And they, yeah. it was sort of, it, it was it was even more on the brink in the previous race, the Silverstone Grand Prix, where both the, both the cars suffered punctures. And it doesn't seem like they've sort of learned from that. They didn't come up with a, you know, sort of a sure two-stop strategy. Um, even though Max actually did a two-stop starting on a hard, um, and he still finished about 10 seconds ahead. Um, is this worth noting or talking about? Yeah, so I think in 2019, um, in the season 2019, Red Bull brought out a specific upgrade. I think it was around, um, was it Hungary or was it it's, uh, Singapore? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but around the mid-season mark, uh, they brought out a very specific upgrade uh, to help the car follow. In addition to that, the Red Bull does function on a shorter wheelbase, so it's less affected by dirty air since the rotation, the shorter wheelbase does help the rotation yeah. of the car. So yeah. following following another car in dirty air does certainly help, and I and I believe that shorter wheelbase cars uh, do have better tire wear. Uh, you can read into the 2017. Uh, Ferrari as well, which is probably the best tire wear on the grid that season, and the short wheel concept, short wheel based concept, which they adopted, really, really worked for them that year. Arguably, well, Ferrari... I guess essentially what you're saying is that the longer the car is, the more it'll have to load onto the sort of tires on the yeah. outside as yeah. it turns in. The the long the larger gap their wheelbase you have, the gap between the front and the rear tires, the more lateral load you're going to have, or the more yaw you're going to have on the car. Sure. So I think I know it's getting a bit technical, but that's essentially I think what helped Red Bull a little bit. Apart from that, Hamilton brought brought up a radio call saying uh, they have lower tire pressures, and I think given the load that these cars put on their tires, it's um, it probably did help Red Bull from that perspective. I think they just got the setup right. Uh, but n- since you spoke about uh, Mercedes and their uh, fact that they had issues, is this something which could be a recurring aspect? I think it's scary. 
I think I'm yeah, genu- I'm genuinely I think scared. Something. No, I'm genuinely scared. Just one second, Baba. I'm genuinely scared because if Mercedes haven't fully understood their car yet and they are performing like this, I'm I'm terrified of of what happens once they do. I don't think it's the fact that Mercedes haven't understood the car. I think they've understood it in terms of how it works aerodynamically and how quick the engine is. Um, but they obviously don't have full control over what the track conditions at individual races is going to be. You know, the heating issue has always been a case over the last few years, uh, especially the Austrian race tends to be quite a hot one in terms of track temperature. And I think it was 2018, last time we had both the cars retire there. Um, heating issues in Brazil last year for Bottas. Uh, and throughout this season so far, I mean, this year has, been, this year has so far been quite warm. And the reason I said exciting instead of scary is because I know that we all the races now going forward are moving southwards towards the Mediterranean where it's going to be a lot more warmer. Yeah, sure. Baba, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. I just want to finish that point. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. On regards of Red Bull, I would say Max is an exceptional driver. And combination with Newey, I think they can actually get a decent enough car to challenge Mercedes barring the aero and the engine. And on the first, like, uh, Silverstone GP, uh, I think the safety car forced all the race sims into the bin and just forced them to go on the hards and then the race situation didn't allow Mercedes to actually pit and, like, get a safe race in. So that, I guess, we can take out as an anomaly, I would say. But this, this GP proved it that they, they couldn't handle the tires properly. But then again, the strategy was also not in their favor. We might never know. Lewis towards the end was gaining quite hard. So I can't say for sure. I think I'll summarize this before we start moving towards the race specifically and the drivers. I think it's good to see that there is there is there are little cracks here and there in that Mercedes team now in terms of they don't seem to be... I mean, there seem to be more and more instances of where they're just caught off guard, um, things that they were not prepared for, yeah. um, that they could have perhaps been prepared for. True, um, true. And Red Bull has been right behind them, nailing it. Um, even the likes of Charles Leclerc uh, and a couple of instances, Lando Norris, for example. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably summarized. Yeah, and, and Mercedes that's, is yeah. probably, the, I think the reason I'm scared of them is when um, they are paranoid and I think they are paranoid now and Toto himself is a very paranoid person about losing so that's precisely another reason we should expect a different Mercedes uh, with less cracks in the second half of um, the season true let's see I'm pretty sure Red Bull is not going to be far behind I mean they have a great record of bringing up updates yeah but would would won't they be paranoid from last week like the first Silverstone GP, they didn't do anything better in this week. So I don't think the pattern seems to be going towards a downward spike as as bad as it seemed to say it. But yeah, they should have fixed it in this GP in itself. So they are like, the, I agree with Black Sheep, there are some cracks. Cool. Okay, let's move on to driver performances. I think we've spoken enough about our initial thoughts of the race. Um, and that dragged on for a bit, but um, here we go. We'll start with the order, uh, and we start from the bottom. Uh, we had one DNF, one retirement from the race. That was uh, Kevin Magnussen, um, retired once again. Yeah, yep. 
What happened? Do we know what happened to him at the end? Was it just uh, all we yeah, saw the on, on the screen was that his his car was in the garage? Yeah, the incident with Latifi, where he just uh, came across the track after he went wide at Stowe. Yeah, so that's car. very Kevin Magnuson esque. <laughs> yes. Descending. Uh, that's to be expected, but I'm not really sure. I mean, did that did that give them a bit of damage or something? Yeah, uh, there was I, some damage. If I okay. correctly. I think there was some damage, and with the penalties, I don't think Haas felt it was worth burning out the engine on. Um, maybe that, maybe something else. That's just my guess. Was... Do you think? Do you think the season ca- the there's been a slight role reversal at Haas in terms of driver performance? So. Before we say that, I think I think Grosjean is a very underrated driver. If you remember his days at Lotus, he was infallible. He was keeping yep. pace with Kimi most most of the time. Um, of course. So I think Grosjean is a very very good driver, given the car suits him, and I do believe this car suits him slightly better than the earlier editions um, the last two years. So maybe that's why he's competing with Magnussen uh, far more often. I agree too. I I also think Grosjean's a really good driver. Yeah, I'm not disputing that. I'm not disputing that at all. What I'm saying is that in the last couple of years, we've seen him being the one making more mistakes than, say, Magnussen. And this seems to be slightly the other way around this season so far. Yeah. Barring the pit exit last year, I think Magnussen had more incidents and more issues last year too. So I guess the last two years, there's a change of pace between them. Who's the number one driver? And Krojan's performing out of his mind with his quality also. And the last... well, I think he has to. I think there is a sense that this may be his last season in the house. I'm not sure. But, mm. I mean, good to see he's, he's doing the best he can. True. I, I hope he stays for longer. I, I, this is the first time I'm hearing that he might retire. Oh, is that just me? Yeah. No, I, no I, think, I think we discussed it during the last podcast. So, Babaji, yeah, given, given the fact you oh. participate in, in quite a few of these, maybe, maybe take the time to watch them. Mm, true. I'm <laughs> sorry. Report me. <laughs> I, think, I think we touched upon Raikkonen, Giovinazzi, and Grosjean. No, so, Babaji, the likely ones. To give you context, I think Grosjean made a comment earlier during the Styrian Grand Prix uh, that he may not continue Formula 1 in this whole lockdown period has has changed his priorities and it may not be racing anymore. Um, mm. And so, yeah, that, that always leads to silly talk via the Sun and various other accurate publications. All right. Okay, that's one driver done. 19 more to go. <laughs> um, yep. A very long road ahead. Let's move on to Williams. This was a slightly different weekend. I'm not sure if Williams were caught off guard again with... The different, I mean, you know, the, the softer tyres was something new for every team. Um, but this time around, they finished behind the Alphas as well, and the Haas too. Yeah. Sorry, that's Williams' specific question. <laughs> I'll come to Latifi specifically in addition to that. Um, I, think he, I think he was a lot closer to Russell this race than the last one. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that the people are undermining him because of the qualifying and the results so far. It, it really hasn't been in, indicative of uh, Latifi's potential. It's his first season in Formula 1. He's ironing out a few kinks. He's going to only get better uh, and narrow, exactly. narrow that gap to George. Not, but uh, but the, both the William cars in general performed 
very, very similar to how they performed last week. So for me, there's no major change. No, I don't believe either of them DNF'd. Um, they just had a had a race. A Williams race. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, but weren't we saying that, uh, I mean, on race pace, the Williams is slightly better than, definitely better than the Alpha and slightly better than perhaps Haas as well? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. True, but, but I think Kimi, Kimi ran a one-stop, so he drove Stellar with us. And he's known for his softer compound, so we, I don't think we should consider that Alpha as actually beating the Williams. But Giovinazzi, I don't know how did he managed to do that. He could also have been quick this weekend, having been used to the track from last weekend. But Russell, I don't know how Russell managed to be so far down. Maybe, maybe like Williams tried something different, but I don't believe that they got the setup right. Uh, I think uh, the strategy, the setup for Alpha and Haas were better this race. I think Williams just made a mistake. Okay, fair enough. If I'm not wrong, we just covered 17 to 15 or 18 to 15. But <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the first one we should attack is Kimi because he did the one stop and he did he managed his tires like insane and he got a high, good enough position. He that car is honestly pretty bad, Alfa Romeo. To re get it to P15, that's a stellar performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was a, a, a slight uh, sort of a bit of a comeback from Kimi. Especially after the horrid weekend he had um, at the British Grand Prix. Yeah, I agree. But Grosjean fell back though. He qualified quite decent. Yeah, I mean, the Haas doesn't really have the race pace, as we know. Hmm. But as expected, the, the Haas, the Alpha and the Williams sort of more closer to each other than the rest of the field. I guess, yeah. We can finally move on to Ricardo, I guess, because we didn't actually have much data on the lower drivers, uh, thanks to F1 TV director. This is amazing production value. So I yeah. guess we can talk about Ricardo now. Yeah, I think. Okay, tell Ricardo. Yeah, the, go ahead, Mara. The moment of his race, let's, I think there's only one moment to really talk about, was the one moment to really talk about was his spin. Uh, what really happened? I think he was wheel-to-wheel -wheel with McLaren. Did they make contact? Did he just get a bit too greedy on the throttle? Uh, did any yeah, so catch? He, I, I heard him um, in his post-race interview. Um, and he said that he was struggling with the tyres. Um, there were signs on the outside at turn three. And obviously the, the car on the inside is, is, has to be slightly more later on the throttle. But obviously he was being overtaken and he got a bit eager. Uh, and, and the rear just gave way. Yeah, he said something along the lines of that uh, the dirty eight was the site of the car, something that Sebastian Vettel had talked about previous years. Affects a lot. So when you're going side by side with the car, if you get on the pole just a bit too early, you'll just spin on yourself. So he dubbed it as a Seb spin. Not as I don't think it's an insulting way, but more as to show as to how that's similar to that. Oh, that hurts me on so many levels. Yeah, same. Okay. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'm going to add about Ricardo is that I was really looking forward to his race. I mean, he was himself quite excited. He did say that he doesn't really say this himself, but he was definitely looking forward to a podium at least. Didn't he qualify P? He qualified P five, didn't he? Up behind. Behind Leclerc. No, no. Sorry. Yeah. Behind. Behind Max. Yeah. I. I think yeah. it was Max Albon and then Ricardo. No, no, it was Hulkenberg, Max, Ricardo, 
Leclerc, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah um, but he did have a great start to the race. He was uh, he was right in there. I think he had a better start than Stroll or even Hulkenberg. Um, and then he was in the middle of the two racing points before the positions started to change and then everyone's tyres started to give way. Yeah, no one could figure out the tyres this race. Yeah, it was interesting to see how different teams were just making different calls at different times about when to pit their drivers. Rebel yeah. again being, you know, yeah. slightly on their feet with Albon. Um, yeah. But yeah, welcome to Albon as well. Next up, next one up is uh, Carlos Sainz. Um, very disappointing weekend from him. Um, I, I, I just got the feeling that he was just stuck in that he qualified quite low down, didn't make it to Q3. Um, and he was just not able to get out of the of the midfield up until up until the top tens at any point during the race. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that um, after I, I think that after that botched pit stop, um, and yeah. the fact that he got caught in a DRS train because of that, and as it is, it's difficult to overtake in a DRS train. I think we all play F1 2019 and twenty. We all know how difficult DRS trains are to overtake in. Uh, plus overheating issues because of that. Um, the turbulent air trailing three cars is just torture. Uh, yeah, his race was ruined the moment that pit stop happened. He may have gotten points, maybe P9 or P8, but uh, no better. I, that that, uh, that pit stop pushed him out of the points. Put him in a very bad piece of track and he just couldn't make up ground. Is the car underperforming, or was it purely on the drivers? I don't think it was the car. I mean, the McLaren was pretty good the weekend weekend before this one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But still, yeah. Ricardo beat them last week on track. Yeah, I so. think I think McLaren actually were not strong as a car this weekend. Um, yeah, I make okay. I make it flack for saying that, but certainly I don't think they took after it took care of its tires all too well, given the fact that I think. On pace, the Renaults are probably equal to, if not faster than the McLarens in race pace. Um, and Sainz didn't, Sainz and Norris didn't have the overspeed on Ocon or, um, or, or Vettel. Vettel, okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that's basically it. The McLarens just didn't take care of his tires, and that, that's all there is to say. It's like a jump scare looking at Vettel at P12. Like. <laughs> yeah, I actually jumped a bit. I have the, for, all, for all those who aren't really looking at my screen right now, I do have the uh, results open in front of me just to keep track. And I got a bit of a shock or shocking reminder. Yeah, again, this is another one we mentioned last weekend as soon as we got to Vettel that this is going to be a bit painful and sorry to say that this is slightly more painful than the last weekend itself. Okay, so um, I know all of us are Vettel fans. Yeah, this one thing I want to get out of the right out of the gates, I just want to discuss one aspect of Sebastian Vettel this season. He is behaving like Fernando Alonso. The man just doesn't stop whining. I've never I, seen Vettel this negative and I do understand the circumstances aren't ideal, but if you look at McLaren, the Alonso and McLaren, and Vettel in this Ferrari, I'm struggling to find a difference apart from one beating the teammate and the other not being able to. Of course, one is Charles Leclerc as a teammate, and that's a different question. But Vettel just seems to have a very negative approach towards Ferrari, towards the car. He just doesn't want. Uh, and I think how, if you look at him emphasizing that, guys, I am trying, um, 
I gen I don't believe he is. Um, a four-time world champ champion, if he is trying, will not be so far off his teammate um, regularly. And don't get me wrong, I love Sebastian Vettel. When he when he put, puts his head down, there is no driver on the grid of very few who can beat him. But right now, I don't think he's in the best frame of mind. I guess that's understandable, given that he's a four-time world champion. Throughout history, we know all the champions that actually moved down the field on in their careers. They just couldn't cope with the lackluster racing in the midfield, plus the lack of pace. So they just naturally get grumpy. But I understand from Vettel's perspective also, it's much more different than what is commonly known. His car doesn't seem to be suiting him at all. Yeah. But this has happened to him in 2014 also. So we can all expect him to bounce back. Yeah. But this race in particular, it was quite, honestly, it was like quite angering to like see what happened to him in terms of strategy. They just shafted him purely to get uh, Leclerc in clean air, which is like worse treatment than Botas would get, I would say. So like, it's just unacceptable. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of points I will make is, firstly, I would still say, I mean, he was last at turn two. So I think it's a decent recovery to P12 from there, um, given the fact that I'm not sure what that strategy call was, but I mean, he seemed understandably quite annoyed uh, with that. I mean, I think they ran his hard tires for 10 laps, um, 10 laps only, and that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, You'd expect the hards, yeah. which were the mediums the previous race, to go down around 25 laps at least. Um, it doesn't make sense for them to run him on hards for 10 laps and then run him on mediums for 20. Uh, which is, I don't know who came up with that. Um, but fair play for him to sort of deal with it in terms of uh, performing on track. But the other thing I wanted to point out about his incident at turn one. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any idea how that happened or what that may have been caused by? Um, so I think um, that he had a bit of a kick of oversteer. He had that in control, but then all of a sudden there was a McLaren on his outside, so which took him by surprise, I think. And while trying to avoid the McLaren and control this guy, I think it just all got a bit too much. Uh, okay, so what I was specifically trying to ask was do you think it was driver error or do you think there was a part of the car is just very not settled yeah he just didn't unsettled. heat his tires up on the formation i guess 50 50 because he was the car was loaded in to take the t1 and he saw like the clock up in front of him so instinct would just go to break and that would unsettle the car and given the car is a amazing piece of engineering he just couldn't get it straight enough in time I'm just going to say it's driver error. Um, there's, he knows the kind of car he has. Um, he knows the car is not brilliant. But at the same time, um, it's it's not done to spin the car in that fashion. Um, being the quality of driver that you are. Because we all know what he's capable of. Uh, and the Vettel that I know doesn't doesn't make those mistakes. Especially so at, the reason I the, sorry, go ahead finish. No, especially uh, at an easy turn like that. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. So the reason I asked this was because surely turn one, turn two. I mean, at full speed they're flat out because the car has the error, and understandably, if it's the first lap, there's a lot of fuel, and you're not carrying as much speed into turn one because you're starting, you know, halfway um, from from the pit straight. Uh, and there's a lot of cars around you. So maybe you have a bit of lift off or whatever. But surely turn one, turn two are corners that anyone can easily take, right?
yeah, sorry, I think I think there was an audio issue, but but basically what I was saying was that uh, given the given Leclerc's uh, lockup, obviously he had to scrub some speed, and considering most F1 cars now take it flat out, um, there is really no excuse for him to um, spin at a scrubbed speed that he was at. No, I I think I beg to differ a bit because he was right on the inside of the line. The turn is much more sharper than it would be on full speed. And full speed, you have the downforce. I agree it was a driver error, but the lockup didn't necessarily help from Leclerc's side because it caught him off guard and then he sat overcorrecting it. Baba, it's turn one. It's turn one. You expect to scrub speed at least for the first two corners. I mean, there's not much you can do as a... You can't you if you can't get through turn one not expecting to be forced to back off at any point of time then you really shouldn't be a racing driver. That's true. I agree with that. That's well, the only trying to the the only angle I was trying to I guess open up was let's put it let's rephrase it how how bad does a car have to be that even a driver with a state of mind as let's say Vettel right now who is just doesn't seem to be interested in driving that car and the mistakes that he's making and that corner and how easy usually it is it just spins away like that I agree with you and it's not, I think it's a combination of car and driver, Vettel does not have confidence in the car, Uh, the team doesn't have confidence in him but whatever the situation is fundamental question, is it worth uh, Ferrari um, just investing maybe a little extra on a sal- on the salary of somebody like Hulkenberg for the remainder of the season, season just to maintain um, a more positive attitude and a, probably a more productive outlook into what they can solve for the car. Um, I agree. And retaining. I, I agree. Too. agree too. I agree too. Maximum. German for German. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's make that change. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it crucially will also re- release Vettel from, I don't know, all the pressure that he has. At the moment, and he can just focus on building whatever he wants to build. Yep, I, um, I really look forward to him. Season. I really look forward to a refreshed battle next season. So maybe give him those few extra months to reset, to breathe, and come back much, much stronger, like the battle we all know and love. Yeah, um, and Hulkenberg is hungry as fuck, so he will drive the shit out of that car. Doesn't matter what it is, he'll drive a safety car <laughs> to win points. I hope. So I, that's that's like an ingenious move, but sorry, genius move. But I don't think that will happen. <laughs> yeah, I think was it Gerhard Berger or somebody else, um, an ex Formula One driver, who even before the season began said that Ferrari should have just bought out his contract. You don't want I, to see an ex World Champion Eddie tell him that you're, Eddie, you're out, Eddie, of, Eddie, out of the Oh, was it okay? Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's right. I think he was right. Uh, yeah, so that does not I, inspire confidence. I always believe it's it's really bad to have a driver in the team once they've committed they're going elsewhere. Uh, you don't know where their loyalties are. You don't know whether uh, they may give, in this case, Racing Point a bit of extra room. Um, since you know they're going to be your team next season. Um, it's uh, And not to mention, you never know whether the feedback they're giving you will be in their long-term benef- benefit or the Team your current or Ferrari's current benefit in this case, or if they will give you the car that the other driver is being given. That is, I don't think, a question with Ferrari right now. I think that was just that was just rubbish. Um, um, yeah, why would they shove their own constructor points? Like yeah, that? yeah. There's no, there's no way. Ferrari don't have the 
but don't have the luxury of scrubbing pace of any of their cars. That's fine. I always agree that I don't think teams usually do do that, or it's in their interest. Yeah. But I was just representing the uh, conspiracy theorists. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's asinine. No, no Formula team would ever do that, yeah. especially not a team like Ferrari who don't have spare pace to scrub. <laughs> like they do not. They cannot afford to make one of their cars slower. Yeah, the only team that can afford to do that is probably a team that's, you know, dominating the the championship. You mean a team who's switched colors from silver to black, not to be named? No, I'm just saying generically. Yeah. In any season, of course. Uh, and let's face it, even if they had the choice, they built, they spent millions of dollars investing in a fast car. They aren't going to uh, hand or nerf that car just because, uh, to just to favor a driver. At least okay. not so early in the season. Okay, one Unless. last point on Vettel before we move on. I'm sorry to break it. Yep. I want to ask, the way Vettel is performing this season, how do you think it's affecting him professionally? He's not acting professional as a sportsman at all. How is it hurting his chances on the deal for next year? Because Not if, at all. Not uh, at all, yes, you'd say? Not at all. Vettel, I, think, yeah. I think everybody in the paddock and, and Formula 1 community in, in general is aware of what what Vettel is or how he is. Every other driver, every other team principal, or every person working in the paddock is aware of what his caliber is as a person, as a personality, and as a driver. And I don't think that's ever been questioned by anyone at all. Um, yeah, I don't think that's 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 in question. You, so this you plays into the, the sympathy words. of Sebastian, right? No, there's it doesn't no play anything. People can understand what pressure he's going through, and naturally he's making mistakes. That's fair. Which is why I think us and I'm sure others as well feel that he should just be, you know, bought out in terms of contract and just allow him to focus him, focus on whatever his next steps are going to be. Yeah, because it's parallel to 2014, the way he did, and he always re- came back stronger. So yeah, you're right, Mara. Yeah, I I completely agree, and in fact, Black Sheep stole the words right out of my mouth uh, about the caliber of Vettel as a driver. But either way, um. Let's move on from Vettel. I don't think... Um, yeah, I think okay. we overcompensated. Yeah. It's good we gave him some time. It's fine. We need to give people that are needed their worth. We took as long to talk about Vettel as for the Ferrari car takes to go around Silverstone. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's move on. Okay, next one up. Uh, P11, Pierre Gasly. I think one of the few drivers, um, in addition to, say, Sainz and Ricardo, um, slightly caught out by... Time management, maybe I'm not really sure what the pit uh, strategy by the team was. Um, but in his second stint, it did seem like his tyres were gone because um, he was pitted quite late. Um, Kvyat had the undercut on him, I think. Um, and Albon was able to go past him as well. Um, yeah. He did spend quite a lot of his tyres defending from Albon, though. Yeah. And I don't think he should have done that. That was not needed. I think I think I was just, I think his entire race. Uh... His, this entire race for Gasly was about proving himself against Albon uh, and yeah. vice versa. Uh, given the fact that was the objective, I, and I don't think he could have gotten to the points either way. Um, or maybe he could have ahead of Kiat. He's certainly a better driver than Kiat. But um, on, on, I mean, on, in this car, Gasly, the, this car suits Gasly, historically speaking, more than it suits Kiat. That being said, I think... Uh, it was totally worth the battle. Uh, it gave us a lot of entertainment. It gave us a lot of headlines, um, headline statements. But so I enjoyed it. I don't have anything uh, more to say about Gasly. He did. He did well, and 
uh, very little could have he may have gotten the one point but that's about it i got a question so do you think these guys are all with the strategy regards they have they were doing it more in a reactionary way in terms of the other driver they were racing or was it that their tires didn't perform well enough so they had to come in for the pits in that sense i think it's both and in addition to that there is an also there is also an element of like nobody knows how that tire how long it's going to go for so there's always this unknown by every team and that perhaps leads to them being slightly more apprehensive and saying okay let's just not take the risk and pit people earlier on maybe that's what they did with Vettel maybe that's what they did with Gasly um you know what's the point if the tires are heating up and you're in a DRS train um get him out and maybe once you have three or four people doing that then they come out in their own DRS train again uh, and that's not something you can calculate Agree. Fair enough. Yep. I guess we'll move on to we covered Kvyat too. I guess in this sense, we should move on to Norris. Um, yeah, I feel, bad, I, feel bad, I feel bad. I feel bad about these races. Kvyat has just been <laughs> ignored. Uh, but yeah, okay. I don't have much. No, to no, say he wasn't him. ignored last week. He was quite well, as you know. No, but in a, in a way, was was Kvyat? Was I? I don't really know. Didn't notice Kvyat under the spotlight at all. For me, I so think Kvyat, it, yeah. I don't think he he got it even got into Q two if I'm yes. not wrong. Yes, so this was, I think it was P sixteen. So I think you have to at least give it to him that finishing in points. Yeah, um, especially and on a track where. Correct. Yeah, he he, um, he drove a stellar race yesterday, and I think that um, he's especially good off the line, and he has shown he's very good at uh, on lap one. Uh, so I think he used that to his advantage and used fresh tires and maximize the potential of this race. That's true. And Great. P16 to P10 is no joke, especially when he beat the likes of Science, Vettel and Gasly, Ricardo barring the spin, so we can't count him. So yeah, yep. I guess that's a good race for me. Agreed. Great. I'm sure Mara's going to get some love from the chat. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, credit, credit, credit where it's due. He, he drove a sta- stable race. Mara's brain is screaming, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay uh so we're on the points now Sorry, coming I, up to i've P. just got a question from the commenting why do you roast ferrari we don't need to i'll leave it at that uh black yeah. go ahead uh we're in the points now well into the points i think so we already covered kiviat next one up is Landon norris not really a great weekend from him he he had a pretty decent quality i think he qualified eighth did he not I'm not sure. Let me just double okay. check that. Uh, starting grid was Gasly. The club started eighth. Uh, Norris started tenth. Oh, he started tenth. Okay, yeah. so okay, I guess one position down. Then. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't really. He wasn't really featured much. Uh, we didn't really get to see a lot of what was going on with him. Yeah. He got overtaken um, a few times. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the battle between the and the and Norris. Are lots of space left. Good respect. At the start of the race. Yeah. And and I think also after the pit stops, the Claire had to overtake Norris if I'm not wrong. Was it Norris? Ah uh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I think Norris and him um, are two drivers certainly very talented drivers, and uh, I enjoyed the battle between both of them. Okay, fair enough. So, An eventful race for him. Yeah. yeah. Barring these overtakes, we then we we've come to expect more from Norris. How the season's going? So I guess we're just waiting for something that's not going to happen. So it was yeah. a good race from him. Of course. Moving on yeah. to Ocon. 
Um, sorry, Black Sheep, was there anything else you were going to add? No, 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 I was, I was about to do exactly that. Moving on, Ocon, I, 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 maybe I'm drawing a blank, maybe I had to make yours, but I can't remember Ocon in that race. Okay, so let me summarize. So he qualified P14, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Uh, let me just double check. It's not okay. Yes, yeah, P14. P14, didn't get out of Q2, um, whilst Ricardo had a stellar qualifying. Um, but he definitely came back. He was one of the, I think, three or four people who actually did a one-stop. Um, which three. is why, yeah, which is why he gained all those positions and finished finished up in P8. Yeah. So he pitted from the hards onto mediums and at 31. Um, again, let me remind everybody: Sebastian pitted after 10 laps on the hards, whilst <laughs> Ocon pitted lap 31. Yeah. Um, fantastic, fantastic strategy. Anyway, yeah. So great call. Um, 31 laps on on the hards and then 20 odd laps on the mediums. Yeah. Um, and he didn't really seem to be. Because he just had the one less stop, he was he made sure that he just stayed out of all that DRS train and all that fight that pretty much cost everybody their tires. Yep. Um and I think that uh I think Ogon had picked his battles more than anything else. Um so yeah, that was a mature drive from him. Unless you've got anything else to add. No, I, 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 do, I do want to pause here because we do have a lot of questions from the folks watching. So maybe just touch upon them in quick one-liners. Uh, first, why is Vettel's uh, falling off so badly compared to his teammate? Uh, we know it's not about the car. This is from a random cinema, cinema, cinematographer. I think that's Nirma, if I'm not wrong. But yep. um, why is Vettel falling off so badly compared to his teammate? I think we answered that. Um, if not... Let us know, but uh, it's clearly, I think it's just a lack of motivation. Uh, I just think he wants to go. I think Ferrari should let him. Uh, what do you think Carlos can do in Vettel's car? This is by Aditya Bhandari. Um, <laughs> you know, when when the race was going on, <laughs> I made one point um, that it's interesting to see that Carlos finished behind Vettel, uh, probably already taking cues from the confidence that Vettel in that car shows. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, first, obviously unsubstantiated. Yeah. Just first, Leclerc had to overtake Sainz, I think, and then had to overtake, um, overtake Vettel after that. So I was just like laughing to myself about the the odds of your neck, your next versus your present, which one is better. Uh, anyway, stupid comparison, but just something that my drunk ass thought of. Uh, anyway. What can you, what do you think, okay, another exactly, sorry, do you think Alonso and Verstappen have the same driving style? Um, but this is by RB Ferrello. Uh, this is a different topic altogether, RB, but I'm just going to summarize this. I think Black Sheep Baba do disagree with me if you, if you feel differently, but no two drivers have the same driving style. They can have similar driving styles to an extent of certain aspects, but Formula 1 is such a, such a complex sport. Um, how you apply throttle, your steering angle, your line you take into a corner, the way you deploy your power, all of this is part of your driving style. So it's impossible to, to for, it's impossible for anybody to, to relate the two, but I do believe both get a lot out of the car they're driving, regardless of whether that car is good or bad. You put them to a racing car and they drive quickly. So in that respect, they yep. are very similar. So I'd agree. I don't think it's a fair comparison in the first place because there is a massive generational gap, not in just 
terms of their age, but also in terms of the era and the cars that they were driving. Um, they handle completely differently. Um, also, Max is not competing with the same people that Alonso was competing with. Um, but in terms of their aggression and being able to get most out of the car, um, and Mara also mentioned getting off the line, I think, yeah, that's that's a few similarities I do yeah, see. Yeah, I'd like to add to that too. I do agree that they have some sort of similarities, but there's differences. Uh, I had one particular moment where through cops, the Red Bull was going and Max just chucked in the wheel full lock to turn that car, which extremely reminded me of Alonso back in the R26 days. It was complete full lock onto a cops, which is like a smooth corner. So I, I didn't know what was that, but it was like, it gave me complete deja vu. So <laughs> I do agree in some aspects that he is, he is on par with Alonso and how they take the maximum potential out of the car. Yeah. Carry on, Mara. I think uh, yeah, you've and taken this... it upon yourself to do the questions. So, right? so sorry to do that, but I think right. there were so many built up. Uh, and was getting Ocon in place of Hulk worth it? I love Hulkenberg. Uh, I think he deserves to be Formula 1, and for that reason, I'm going to say no. I'm not going to do a comparison of Ocon versus Hulk. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, when you have Toto as a manager, I don't think there's anything to discuss there. Yes, but I'm so sorry for derailing, but now that we spoke about Ocon, we can move on to Hulkenberg. <laughs> that worked very, very well. I did not plan that out. Uh, criminal. Yes. Uh, Hulkenberg. Uh, shame. I, I am disappointed, but I'm not going to go first. Black Sheep. Wait, should we, are we still doing questions, or are we moving up the order? Or moving up the order. Moving up the order. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, all right. Sorry, I was on fastest laps as opposed to race results. Right. Yes, Hulkenberg is right ahead of us. <laughs> I'm so far behind you guys in thought process, but okay. Uh, yeah, equally sad. Um, genuinely such a shame to see that a driver of that caliber who put a car in P3 after being out of Formula 1 for around six or seven months, not having any practice sessions as these cars were developed, uh, I mean, put all of that together. Uh, yeah, uh, stellar performance. Yeah. I just think that he may have overcooked his tires as a result of not being in Formula 1 for the longest time. Uh, and I think that sacrificed yeah. uh, a much, much higher P5 for him, I believe it would have been. Uh, yeah. Which destroyed his P5, which I think, given, I think that would have been a dream result for, for the man. Uh, but yeah, I'm really happy for him. And... I, at least it was nice to, for him to see. Nice to see him finish, and oh, should I say, nice to see him start the race. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> people had lots of conspiracy theories again that Lance Stroll was gifted the position, but Hulkenberg couldn't finish the race on those tires, so he had to come in for the pits. Yeah, so softs made sense that time. So I guess he just got, he made as much as he could of the race. Yeah, and Stroll comes in and wins Formula One point five again out of nowhere. So I guess we should talk about him. Uh, before we move away from Hulkenberg, just to get a sense from you guys, do you think, I mean, if he's back, where he could end up? Everything is pointing towards a Mercedes reserve driver spot. Um, I think like Babaji said last weekend, it was basically his explanation of, uh, his explanation was, I think, the, what do you call it? 
it was basically a resume to Toto. I think it was you, Babaji, or Kapil who said it. Uh, you basically said that the exp- that the way he broke down the racing point car in FP1 uh, for the first Silverstone Grand Prix this season uh, was a resume for all teams um, to sign him. And I think that his level of detail deserves to be in Formula 1 and not to mention his talent in driving as well. So yeah, for me, it's Mercedes deserve our testing, testing driver. Hmm. It's interesting. Why don't you think he'll go to the Alphas or the Haas? Shouldn't he? I'm not. Uh, even I wouldn't say that he should just go for sake and be a paid driver. But uh, why do you think he should be in the reserve in a top team instead of being on the grid? Um, if you're asking me, uh, I love to hear Black Sheep's opinion too. But for me, I think Alpha will get a youngster in from the FPA. Uh, and Haas, uh, Perez will probably go to Haas given the fact Perez comes with significant financial backing and they desperately need that right now. Um, mm. That's why I believe there's no seat apart from the reserve Mercedes spot available. Okay. Understandable. Black Sheep? Uh, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I also think there might be an element of, I mean, he's already had the experience of not having a seat. Uh, and I'm sure his mindset would be that he wants to come back and, I guess, prove a point. And I'm not really sure, looking at the Haas or Alpha right now, how much that would motivate him in taking up that seat in proving a point. I agree. But beggars can't really be choosers. Yeah. Definitely. No, I agree. But but then, in, in hindsight, it's like, I mean, if you if you have the Mercedes reserve seat, maybe you, you may have... Maybe you're the Mercedes reserve for a year, but that would open you up for more slightly better options um you know in in the years following isn't his crux sponsorships the, that he can't bring in the money for the team or something Correct. like that yeah there is that um the one thing i was going to mention was um mclaren's going to be on the mercedes engine uh, it's going to be a customer mercedes team so that could open up what i'm trying to say is that that could be a better longer longer term option for him yep mm. Yeah, he's still got years ahead of him. He should probably think about the Mercedes route that's more apt. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't see that happening, but I hope I do hope that we see yeah. in some capacity in Formula One. Moving on, uh Blashy, what what do you say we move on or can Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, please do. Lance Stroll. Um I think he did a good enough job. Um, especially compared to his previous race at Silverstone. Uh, I think he did improve, and I think he's, to me personally, he's starting to show that he's not what people mostly regard him as. Um, but yeah, he, he does have this thing of performing slightly better on race day after not qualifying that well. Um, and this season, he does seem to have a car underneath him that gets it up to about P4, P5 usually in qualifying, so I guess that's not as much a trouble for him anymore. Uh, if the car itself can be ahead of at least everybody apart from Mercedes and maybe Max, um, then yeah, he does. He certainly has the performance on race day. Okay. Yeah, I've been talking about Stroll, semi-fanboy of him for a while because he used to have a quite jittery driving style in the previous seasons where he would just Correct. sit fighting with the wheel mid-corner. But over the past two, two years, he's like gotten more smooth driving technique probably learning from Perez or something, a softer right of foot. So I think he managed the tires very well, did a good two-stop and found himself in the prime position to finish the race. So I guess all points, like, tick mark everywhere, I guess. 
I think in terms of his driving style, that certainly has improved in terms of his steering input. But I have specifically noticed his onboards versus, say, even Hulkenberg in the last two races and Perez in the initial races. Uh, and he seems to be a lot more twitchier on the steering. He seems to be wow. fighting the car a lot more mid-corner um, still. Uh, it might be an improvement, but I think he still has an element of that. And maybe that's that's where it doesn't help him during qualifying when when you have to get that one perfect lap in. Mm, true, true. Yep. Um, for me, I think uh, the reason I support Stroll is not because he's I like him as a driver or any other reason. I think um, Stroll is underrated. Stroll's contribution to the team is underrated. Uh, people say he should not be in Formula One, given the kind of driver he is. Well, it's a hit, break it to you, but Formula One has always been about the money. Uh, I didn't see anybody crying about Nicky Lauda when he bought his way into Formula One. Why can't Lance Stroll? Forgive because me for, uh, Nicky got his own money and he was a championship material driver. No, but my point is... I think is, the issue with Stroll is that, okay, you've got the money, but then maybe are you the most deserving driver? But my point is racing... A racing point with a great driver would still be worse off than racing point without Lance Stroll. Just think about that. Or they may not have even been on the grid. I mean, he's a F3 champion by a huge margin. So he's not just some guy you pick up of a yeah. lower category and just put him there. Yeah, so he that has some, some idea of what he's doing. I don't think neither of us are regarding him as a driver who doesn't deserve to be in that seat or, or, or certainly not a bad driver in any sense. I think the argument from at least my point of view is simply that you've got somebody in, in a Perez who does bring in a lot of that money um, as well. Yeah. Um, it's it's just that slight gap between Stroll and Perez, I guess, is, is all I'm talking about. Yeah, but yeah. that's just it. I, I, I know that both of you are... Formula 1 veterans and understand the ins and outs of the sport. But I have heard a lot of ridiculous comments uh, from a lot of Formula 1 fans um, over the past two years. And and I'm, I'm a huge supporter of Stroll. He's funded his way into Formula 1. And he has backed it up. Let's not forget his his podiums, his, his, his uh, qualifying in Monza 2017. Uh, he's done well for himself. Uh, yeah. I think qualifying Monza was more about what time he got out of the pits. Still, uh, records will still show a podium for Williams in 2017. Uh, so yeah, sure, sure, sure. That that and is also uh, a car. Yeah. So he he's in terms of regards to Perez, life's not fair. So stuff like that will happen time to time again. That's we can't work around that. His father yeah. owns the team, so that's he just is for sure. Or we won't. We, we might not know. He just announced next week that Stroll will get benched and Perez and Vettel might drive together. So we can hope for stuff like that. Well, no. All all props to him. I mean, he is P7 in the championship right now. So technically, best of the best as well. Yep. Yeah, big time. Second, Perfect. like almost win for him for 1.5. I guess we stayed on Stroll as much as Vettel, which is quite shameful. So we should move on. <laughs> to Albon, lost. Should I say Lulbon? <laughs> I I was gonna say you know one thing I generally thought of Babaji was that during this podcast, as soon as we come to Alex Albon, I'll just ask you to shut up um, <laughs> and just not give any input because I think you have spoken enough. 
nine in qualifying. T <laughs> nine. Uh, well, I mean, if any, if if anything, his performance yesterday should it be should be a big shut up to you. No, what, dude? He pulled. He pulled. He was. He pulled the most moves out of anybody. Four, four. He, he he managed his tires pretty much at, on par with every, anybody else who managed their tires as best he as got they could. the second fastest car on the grid. He's bound to overtake people. I don't know what's so special about that. But either way, either way, it was a great recovery drive. He yeah, he did. obviously. I'm just being facetious. But in terms of uh, where the second Red Bull driver should be, imagine if there was a Ricardo there. My all I'm asking. I've never said that he's pure garbage. I might say that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he always you see him for, uh, coming from behind, overtaking all these back markers, and we're supposed to be like, "Ooh, what a driver!" But yeah, okay. Okay. So let me just say the thing with with album i think is that he's he's a fantastic driver and on any race day he's proven that um even more than gasly um on race day i think album on a like for like basis performs much better in in the red bull in the same pressure than okay. gasly he okay. has been doing that since day 1 since the belgium race that he got the uh, the red bull seat in i think the issue he has is the one lap pace compared to verstappen right now um, and I think one thing that might not be helping him is the fact that his he has had issues this season with the setup of the car. Uh, Red Bull themselves have had issues in understanding up until Hungary where the car has been wrong. Um, they've improved that certainly at Silverstone, but I think that has played a part itself. Um, and don't forget, he's had a retirement, um, a, fa- a car failure retirement this year as well. So he's not up in the standings as much as you would like to see him. Um, so there are, yeah, I, I think there are several factors, but I think if he gets his qualifying right, um, he'll be right up there. True, I agree. I wholeheartedly he... agree, and I think it's most. I think let's look at it from a positive point of view, where uh, it's it's certainly something that he knows he has to work on, or maybe set his car up a little differently. But uh, yeah, uh, if he sorts out quality, uh, he's going to be a force to reckon with, and probably going to lift Red Bull up to. Constructor champions when when they have the car. <sighs> yeah, certainly. Um, okay, move. shall we move on, or is there more to add? No, not for no, Albon. Go for okay. DOTD. Me, yeah, me. so my joint driver of the day. I am. I'm sure everybody here would agree. Yeah. Uh, fantastic drive. Stayed out of trouble. Managed the tires. One stop. Only one of few people to do that. Um, especially in the Ferrari. And we know that's not a car that's great on pace this season, especially. Or tyres. Uh, yeah. Yeah, great drive. Not much more to say. I think I think for me, Leclerc is driver of the day. Um, for the reason I the reason I do say that Max is tied for me uh, for that for that post is uh, he finally beat the Mercedes. I mean, somebody finally beat the Mercedes. <laughs> so for me, like that's why I put Max on equal to Leclerc. But uh, Max's car deserve Max's car podium nine out of ten days. Leclerc P four, uh, twice in twice in uh, I don't know how many weekends, but uh, they it should not be anywhere near where that man has brought this car to. Nowhere yeah. near to where. And I think in terms of out driving a car and out placing a car, um, Leclerc was stellar. He maximized performance, and there was one point in the race where. Everyone looked up and said, "Will can Hamilton actually catch him?" Of course, we all knew he would, but they, he made us look up for a second. And uh, 
coming back to what I think Streeter, who's a very, I think I said this last week too, but uh, what Streeter mentioned was that Leclerc keeps on reminding him of Alonso the way he puts cars in a position where they have no right being. Um, and on that note, I think uh, that's that's my Leclerc summary from and my driver of the day. On merit, I, I, yeah. I, I'm just going to add one thing. So there was a point in the race when I think we were on the second stint of the Mercedes, um, sort of midpoint of the race where it's sort of, you know, the point where Hamilton was being, he was just staying out and not pitting. Um, and I kept thinking that, okay, hopefully Hamilton gets a puncture because it looked like they were, you know, keeping him until the end. And if that happens, Leclerc, I never thought... Black Sheep, you're... Black Sheep, we lost you. Um... So I guess he was speaking about Leclerc and how he did an amazing job. Let me just add my thoughts to it too. Yeah. He's, he's been constantly proving himself and each weekend gonna... we know that he's going to probably once he has a we know from 2019 if he has a car underneath him he can annihilate the competition and this just shows that he can also work on his race pace and tires also not only sure. not only on a strong car okay. am i back for you guys by the way yes, yes. loud and clear oh um, great uh, so uh, sorry. Um, what I was saying was uh, with Leclerc. I was saying that there was a point of the race when Hamilton was uh, was staying out for a long time, and I was just hoping that he stays out and doesn't come in for a stop, and then just does a one stop, uh, and in doing so gets a puncture and retires from the race. And I was very certain that uh, Leclerc was going to pit once again because I never thought he was going to do a one stop. And in P5 was Hulkenberg, and I was so certain that that was going to happen, and that that would be Hulkenberg's podium. <laughs> uh, but yeah, didn't didn't turn out that way. So yeah, but well done to Leclerc. Yes, of course. Uh, Valtteri Bottas. He got. I'm going to repeat. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm going to repeat what I said about him last last podcast, last paddock piss. I mean, that's the difference right there in managing his tires. Um, I think the team slightly got a strategy wrong, but dude, Hamilton nursed those tyres when he extended them, when he stayed out so well that he had the gap to Bottas covered to be able to come back at him. Not at all. That's all I have to say. Not at all. I, I don't disagree with you completely. Dude, I think they every... use Bottas as a lab rat, Mara. Sorry, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I think... If you remember a message coming on to Hamilton mid-race, they mm-hmm. checked Bottas's worn tires and they saw that it's purely Bristol's the tire wall underneath his spine. And that data was more than enough for Hamilton to like take a longer stint. Exactly. So if, so if that would be, roles would be reversed. Since Bottas is ahead, granted Bottas is a number two wingman, whatever you might call him, that, that, should, that testing should have happened on Hamilton's car since he was behind. He should have gone for another different strategy. But they used the data from Bottas's car to like help Hamilton's race. So he got shafted. And in terms of race trim, Bottas was fi- up to five to six seconds ahead of Hamilton at one point, which isn't there in the same car. So I don't know about that, about him uh, ruining his race trim because he showed up today and he got terribly dist- uh, like shafted, destroyed by his uh, pit wall. In terms of strategy and then like being used as a air quotes lab rat. Also, to add to that black sheep, 
exactly what happened last week. Uh, Hamilton's tires were visually and representatively in terms of lap time worse than Bottas throughout the stints that Hamilton was behind him. And this happened because Hamilton was in Bottas's dirty air, identical to what happened last week with Bottas's tires, why they were in slightly worse condition. So Hamilton isn't maybe it's this car, but I don't think he was conserving his tires all too well. The moment Red Bull, Red Bull and Bottas were conserving because they felt that they were that Hamilton needed to pit. Verstappen only started pushing and took a second a lap out of Hamilton when he did so. Um, when he got the call to push to the limit of the tire because they thought Hamilton may not pit. Um, that I don't think Hamilton conserved his tires. I think Mercedes just screwed Bottas over once again to conserve his seven-time world champ, seven to to conserve his seven world titles and gift him yet another one. Sorry, welcome to my TED talk. Sorry, back we lost you again. Sorry, I was cracking a joke. Uh, hello. I guess Black Sheep is taking in the TED talk. <laughs> I guess. Yes, we're covering Hamilton and Bottas together. In terms of that, I Hamilton. I can hear you guys completely fine, all of this. But I'm surprised you can't hear me. Uh, now we can. Now we can. Now we and can. I, okay, so I heard everything you guys said. Um, I'm not sure that's exactly how it played out. You know, when both Mercedes were on the second stint, it was Bottas's tires that were visually, again, yes, correct, that were more degraded. And they told Hamilton that you've got a lot of graining too, but once it wears out, it's going to be fine if you can carry on with the tires, which Hamilton did. But my point but is they could have done the same thing with Bottas. No, that message came after Bottas's pit. When they learned that the tires had just to the surface cleaning, the tires are fine, they weren't going to explode. You just needed to iron them out and then go for ahead. For the, without the data, I don't think they would have been able to. They will still be paranoid in terms of the race. Either way, either way, I see what you mean. Now. They could yeah, have they okay. could have used the same strategy for Bottas once they saw the initial set of tires. But I think they screwed him over. Could be wrong, guys. Uh, we can't decide on a final answer. Why don't you leave it in the comments on what you think Mercedes did? Were they favoring Bottas or was it just a scenario of Hamilton being stellar on his on his tires? I'll leave it. I, I think I agree with you guys in the sense that, yes, they shafted Bottas completely. There was no reason to bring him in, um, you know, when Max made his first stop. Sorry, yeah. second stop. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. It's, in one more thing you can ask, Mara. Okay, I'll ask the viewers to tell. Uh, ask them why didn't Mercedes start on the hards, given it was the mediums for them from the last race. And given that they can probably outpace on any compound, irrespective of what the situation is because the, I think that was the initial phase where they lost out where the master stroke of Red Bull was I guess in terms of put, starting him on hards and controlling the race from there and everyone had to react to them Yeah. so I have an opinion on that so the sure. the hards this race essentially the mediums of last race right and yeah. the mediums would have been the soft and if Mercedes know that it's a two-stop for sure because of all the tire troubles they had in the first race. They yeah. probably had just thought of the fact that, yes, we're definitely going to do two stops. So let's start on the softer tire if you're doing a two-stop and build that gap. So what That's the only thing wrong? I can think of. So I well, 
strong. They've got the pace. They, of they completely underestimated that the softer tires would wear out as quickly as they did. Hmm, true. But didn't they know that last week, they, everyone on the grid last week knew how bad the softs were. So I guess that's, I think, I think that's come back to, it comes back to your point, which you said that they just caught off guard in terms of the strategy. No, I think, I think they played it okay in the first stint where, you know, they did about 10, 11 laps and then brought both the, put the drivers in. It's only during the second stint where they were just completely confused. And yes, now I agree with you guys that they used Bottas's tires visually to bring him in quickly, not knowing what was actually going on with his tires. To oh, then yeah. realize, okay, we could have actually left him out again uh, longer. That's where they went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And Bottas did nothing wrong all weekend. Like everything we blamed him for last weekend, he showed up and he beat him in quali, he beat him in race start, he beat him into T1, he created the gap, he did everything correctly, and then still somehow he's P3. I guess you can take For a change, have. he also had a fantastic start over Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, Hamilton had a better start than, than pretty much anybody else on the grid, but Bottas had a better start than Hamilton himself. Yeah, is it just me or did the five lights go out really quick? I, the, like, usually they are probably on for a little longer, but I think the five lights went out really quickly and the two Mercedes drivers picked that out quickest, but Bottas got the edge. Yeah. Finish power. Yes. But finally, too, I think the the winner, uh, and I am, I, this is a, probably the first race where, not the first race, I think I've supported Max before, before I saw some of his antics, but I think after a long time, I really appreciated a awesome drive by Max Verstappen. Um, was it was it him or was it Red Bull? Um, in or would any good driver in a Red Bull have gotten that win? Just I want your take on it. Lakshib, you go ahead. Okay, I will. Um, I think it's both. I think we've discussed already about how good Red Bull were, especially this weekend yeah. in terms of their calls. Um, the, the the choice, firstly, absolutely brilliant and correct choice to make. Uh, in terms of starting on the hards for Max, because they know where they are compared to the Mercedes cars on pace. So the only thing you can do is, okay, let's do something different, see what happens. We know Mercedes heat up very quickly, so we'll, we're going to be around to pick up the pieces if it comes to that. Um, and obviously that's what it came to. Um, but I also think it was it was driver too. I mean, even by the end of the first stint, uh, if you guys remember when Mercedes pitted, Max had caught them up. He was only like two seconds behind Hamilton. Um, so yeah, he was making sure those tyres uh, were really working. He also refused to back out when he was told that the car is having heating issues, um, which was again the right call because they knew that, or at least he knew that the Mercedes cars would have to pit sometime. So it was not going to be long that he was going to stay behind those cars anyway. So certainly, yeah, uh, right call to make. And I think most drivers would have probably just pay heed to their engineer and said, okay, fine, I'll duck out. Precisely I my thoughts. Like, if, if we had discussed it earlier also, that uh, probably the harder compound for Max would cost him off the line at the start, in terms of how Hulk was uh, on a softer compound right next to him, on a further ahead grid position. So, he had an amazing start. He did everything correctly. He managed his tyres. He attacked when he needed to. That overtake on Botas coming out of the pits, that was... Pure classic racer mentality, like 
old school racing. He just didn't give a, he didn't give a hell. He just went for it and he got it done. So I guess I would say ninety percent max, ten percent Red Bull pit wall. I think I think hundred percent. Second time lucky for you, Babaji. Yeah, in avoiding the yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I think it's hundred. I think it's hundred percent both ways. Um, they made all the right calls, and and those calls were taking into consideration Max as a driver, and Max trusted his team. So I don't think I think it's hundred percent both ways. Um, yep. With the with the different driver, they may not have risked such an aggressive strategy, especially. They would not have qualified on the hards in the first place without Max Verstappen. Yeah, that's a that's a good point actually. Yep. Yeah. Great. So I think Max's quality on the hards, which was a sensational lap to put him in the top ten, uh, won him the race. Um, in the race, I believe Red Bull had it easy. Um, you may not you may not you may have a different opinion, but I think Red Bull actually had an easy race. Um, once all the stops, once um, the first, uh, first stint one was done. Um, so, yeah, I think the quali won Max the race. I think it was a combination of the quali and Max having a better start and partly also Hulkenberg not having a, a, a good enough start. Because yep. I think any time that Max would have spent behind Hulkenberg would have cost him tires and time. But, yeah, that's just a minor point, I guess. Yeah, the strategy was the winner, I guess. I would say if, if Mercedes started on the same strategy, I don't think Max would have a chance. That's my opinion. Because if they had started on the hards and they could do the same thing what Max did, but that's hindsight, so you can't get to it. Yeah, hypotheticals. I, I really don't know what would have happened, but I do know that Red Bull were better on their tyres. So even if they had the same strategy, I doubt it would have been a different result. Yeah, you've also got to mention the fact that I think from qualifying onwards, Red Bull were probably hoping for or thinking of planning for a one-stop for Max. But on the go, they picked up the conditions of the race. They converted the one-stop from Max to actually two stops and made sure he still won the race. That second stop on the mediums where he went full sand, that was beautiful. I love it when drivers get the full clean shit from the pit wall to just go for it. Because... Most of the times in these long races, you have to manage to just go on your 80%. But yeah, that yeah. second stint, I understood it. So, like, amazing. Yeah, Mara, I remember you mentioned earlier whether whether or not you agree with the fact that the second stint should have been as short as possible. But I think they calculated it to just just perfection. It was a stint meant to be just quali lap after quali lap. And they calculated to the fact that, let's say, these tires can only do quali lap performance for, like, five laps. That we don't want anymore because after that they're gonna start falling off. Yeah, I'm just gonna end my my review on the entire race by saying Red Bull came off a decision which cost them the race win last week and absolutely nailed the strategy this week. There was no conservation, there was no uh, second guessing. They absolutely nailed it, and that takes an immense amount of confidence and uh, kudos to them for like just coming out of the box uh, so strongly and being so confident about what they need to do and basically. Forget everybody else. True, I agree. Red Bull just—they—they they were just there waiting like a predator, and the moment they got a chance, they took it. And kudos to them. I have a quick question. Talking about this, I think a lot of this. Uh, Black Sheep, we lost you again. Um, not quite sure what went wrong. It's fine. 
what do you think mara do we, will, will the same result be next week or how is it going to be different it's going to be it's spain same, same, it's, it's same, going to it's, it's, gonna... it's spain same compounds if i'm not wrong or just one step harder i guess in regards of the compound and the temperatures are going to be warmer so yeah. again or like you said the paranoia might come in into mercedes angle and they might fix everything and gain i think time. mercedes should play to their strengths forget tire wear just push like a maniac because on pure if they take three stops but they manage to push all of their stints they are not being beaten so yeah that's that's how they completely it's basically like the schumacher days of old like the schumacher days where ferrari used to do that yeah. Uh, low, that's low fuel load, man. That's like forget it. That's something next level. But we're saying that they have the overspeed, the same amount of overspeed. Uh, I don't know if you have black sheep back, but yep, 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 yep. yep. And I, black sheep, we. I think your audio's gone again. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Y- you think they'll they'll shit the bed with the uh, strategy again next week or? What they never planning on doing a hard. They just wanted. They had a different idea in their mind, and well, that next week it might probably work out in their favor. I don't think that even if they shift the better strategy, they're going to lose because Spain. You, no one is overtaking that. No one is overtaking that. Um, thousand plus horsepower engine on such a short, short straight after such a complex sector three. So, um, strategy or not, I think my prediction to Mercedes is. Uh, is Spain to is Mercedes going to win? I mean, my prediction for Spain, sorry, my brain just stopped functioning, uh, is that Mercedes will win. And um, but I think we're going like think now that we have predictions for next re- next weekend. I guys, I hope you enjoyed the a very very long race review. Uh, the, it's a 70th anniversary, and after 70 long years, we just had a slightly longer uh, longer race review. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, do. Uh, do keep an eye out for the podcast that comes out on Thursday um, and join in for this uh, season 5 starting at the end of this week we have uh, the tiers set up we have the telemetry set up we have the stream set up and everyone is just waiting in suspense for the league to start so thank you Babaji thank you Black Sheep for um, a very insightful race review at least I learned also, a lot don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends about our retard talks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yep. See you next.